Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichten-Walter, and this is the Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be starting a new book called The Gift of Tongues. We'll be reading Chapter 1, Introduction, pages 7 to 12, after the reading portion of this program, which is about 12 minutes long. We'll get into the commentary portion. And then after we finish reading this chapter, uh, if we have time, we will be reading How to Qualify for the Celestial Kingdom today and continuing on with my wife's reading of that book. We'll be on pages... 7 through 12, and this has been posted at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977, and you can read this chapter at tumblr.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. Thank you for listening. Introduction, chapter one of the gift of tongues. Pages 7 to 12, in the beginning of man's history, Adam spoke the language of God. It was a pure, unadulterated language without profanity, obscenities, or corrupt expressions. The language of God is simple, illustrative, and pleasing to the ear and the soul. As in all of the handiworks of God, it is beautiful to perfection. Conversing in the language of God can overpower the feelings as it touches the heart, stirs the emotions, and moves the soul. The tongue is a useful and powerful blessing and dash a most unique member of the body and dash for it can bless or curse, pray or profane. The tongue is often the means of moving a man for good or bad, exhorting or damning him. It can convey knowledge, wisdom, and expression or it can persuade a man to change the whole course of his life. Conversation can communicate information for edification, or it can be spiritual in its nature by encouraging, uplifting, and stirring men to repentance. It is often the means of making a complete change of heart, for faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In hours of sorrow the tongue may bring comfort to someone, and in hours of darkness it can be their shining light. And again, through days of despair, it may be the means of bringing faith to another's soul. Although the tongue is but a small member of the body, it is capable of accomplishing many great things and dash both good and bad. The Apostle James elaborates on this phenomenon in these terms. For in many things we offend all. 
If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor lists her. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defleth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame, it is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bowl of berries? Either or vine, figs. So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Men have been tortured flogged, and beaten to death, but some have remained steadfast to their moral convictions. However, through the subtle use of words, many a strong man has been persuaded and enticed away from those convictions. In the story of the harlot, Solomon said, With her much fair speech she caused him to yield, with the flattering of her lips she forced him. She hath cast down many wounded, yea, Many strong men have been slain by her. If, then, the tongue can become a force in breaking many strong men, then it also can be a device used to make many weak men strong. The tongue can be a useful and righteous tool when directed by the Spirit of God. How soothing and pleasing are the words sung from the heart by melodious voice. How mellow and sweet to the ear are the words of a child spoken in innocence. And, how reverent and uplifting are the words of good men as they speak of truth, righteousness, and deity. Few ears and hearts have ever been touched as those who heard Jesus speak and pray. And no tongue can speak, neither can there be written by any man, neither can the hearts of men conceive of the joy which filled our souls at the time we heard him pray for us unto the Father. Nephi, and from the book of Proverbs, the voice of wisdom spoke and said, Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. 
Governing the tongue between nations can prevent wars, and many national and international contentions have resulted from the masseuse and abuse of the tongue. Despots and dictators have gained political positions by their cunning and deceptive use of words. Unkind and spiteful words have disrupted towns and many a home, for occasionally some retaliation or occasional vengeance towards a friend or spouse may seem justified, yet in the end may cause regret and sorrow. Sorrow. Govern the tongue right in our own families. I know it is sometimes the case that a person will see a chance to slip a word and that will cut like a razor. Oh, that is too good a chance to let slip. Therefore, I will let fly a word, and it sets all hell on fire. I speak particularly in relation to some women, but I do not know that it is any more in relation to them than to the men. The woman sees the chance to give the man a keen word that will make him feel but she sours her own dish by so doing. She turns the sweet into gall, and then is compelled to eat it. What is the better way? If she sees a chance to inflict the wound by word that will cut, and she thinks her husband really deserves it, which is the sure way to get a victory? Never say a word. Say to women, if we can have no protection, shall we say nothing at all? Let it pass, I tell you. Take it mildly, and by and by, says the husband, I grieved my wife, and gave her just cause of offense. I am sorry for it. She has taken it so meekly, and never has harassed my feelings. Now, this cuts me ten times worse than if she had said something to balance the matter. Then I should not have had this thing in my heart. But to see her take it so mildly without offering one reproach, oh my God, how can I forgive myself? We are living in perilous times. The prophet Joseph Smith said this generation is as corrupt as any generation before us. Jesus spoke of it as being as wicked as the generation of Noah. What is happening to our civilization when men speak of wickedness more than righteousness? Why are the principles of virtue, purity, and holiness so seldom mentioned in our common conversations? It is the smart, profanity, and contentions that daily greet our ears from nearly every avenue. We have listened to the language of men in the armed services and dash men who at any time might be cut down to the grave and dash yet their language befouls the air and becomes disgusting to the ears of any conscientious soul. From the motion picture screen and the home television set the sounds of profanity and obscenity degrade our language. Lustful and bawdy stories and jests of vulgarity of the nightclub lures for men to take to their home and work. Until the last few decades our streets were free from shouting mobs and screaming pictures who cry for destruction and violence. Since that hippie movement and rock culture of the 60s, Colloquialisms, slang and subcultural jargon have conveyed a degraded, sordid love of passion and immoral appetites. What then shall become of our civilization because men's tongues speak so often of the vile, laugh at the vulgar, and make a mockery of dignity? We stand near the brink of the Almighty's vengeance, 
and only by turning from the sordid pitfalls of the Tower of Babel, can we avoid a worse disaster. One of the most beneficial attributes of language is that it conveys knowledge and intelligence, but beyond the conveyance of information is a more important fruit of language and dash the building of faith. The prophet Joseph Smith expounded on this by saying, Faith comes by hearing the word of God, through the testimony of the servants of God. The testimony is always attended by the spirit of prophecy and revelation. Tongues were given for the purpose of preaching among those whose language is not understood, as on the day of Pentecost, etc., and it is not necessary for tongues to be taught at the church particularly, for any man that is the Holy Ghost can speak of the things of God in his own tongue as well as to speak in another. For faith comes not by signs, but by hearing the word of God. Hearing the word of God will do more to change man and the world he lives in than any other influence. It is through the word of God that souls can be saved, nations can learn peace, and the kingdom of God can be established among nations. Chapter 2 History of Languages Chapter 2 History of Languages Okay, so that's the reading portion of the program. Now I'll read it with a commentary. Introduction, Chapter 1 of Gifts of Spirit, get the Gift of Tongues, sorry, page 7 to 12. In the beginning of man's history, Adam spoke the language of God. It was a pure, unadulterated language without profanity, obscenities, or corrupt expression. See Paul of Great Price, Moses, chapter 6, verse 6. The language of God is simple, illustrative, and pleasing to the ears and the soul. As in all of the hand, handiworks of God, it is beautiful to perfection. Conversing in the language of God can overpower the feelings as it touches the heart, stirs the emotions, and moves the soul. The tongue is a useful and powerful blessing, a most unique member of the body. For it can bless or curse, pray or profane. The tongue is often the means of moving a man for good or bad, exalting or damning him. It can convey knowledge, wisdom, and expression, or it can persuade man to change the world, the whole course of his life. Conversation can, can communicate information for edification or it can be spiritual in its nature by encouraging, uplifting, and stirring men to repentance. It is often the means of making a complete change of heart, for faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. In hours of sorrow, the tongue may bring comfort to someone, and in hours of darkness, it can be their shining light. And again, through days of despair, it may be the means of bringing faith to another soul. Although the tongue is but a small member of the body, 
It is capable of accomplishing many great things, both good and bad. We're on page eight. Let me see here. Yeah, page eight. The Apostle James elaborates on this phenomenon in these terms, quote, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not inward, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, are driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned about by a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great is a matter, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is, set on, on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of bird, and of serpent, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue cannot, can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of, similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be, ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. James chapter 3 verses 2 through 13. Page 9. Men have been tortured, flogged, and beaten to death, but some have remained steadfast in their moral convictions. However, through the subtle use of words, many a strong man has been persuaded and enticed away from those con convictions. In the story of the harlot, the harlot Solomon said, quote, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. She hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Proverbs chapter 7, verses 21 and 26. If then the tongue can become a force in breaking many strong men, then it can also be a device used to make many weak, weak men strong. The tongue can be a useful and righteous tool 
when directed by the Spirit of God. How soothing and pleasing are the words sung from the heart by the melodious voice. How mellow and sweet to hear are the words of a child spoken in innocence. And how reverent and uplifting are the words of good men as they speak of truth, righteousness, and deity. Few ears and hearts have ever been touched as though those who heard Jesus speak and pray. And no man can speak, neither can there be written by any man, neither can the hearts of men conceive of the joy which filled our souls at the time we heard him pray for us unto the Father. Third Nephi, chapter 17, verse 17. And from the book of Proverbs, the voice of wisdom spoke and said, Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Page 10. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For better, for wisdom is better than rubies, and all things that may be desired are not meant to be compared. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 6, 7, 10, and 11. Governing the tongue between nations can prevent wars, and many national and international contentions have resulted from the misuse and abuse of tongues. Despots and dictators have gained political position by their cunning and deceptive use of words. Unkind and spiteful words have disrupted towns and many homes for occasionally some retaliation or occasional vengeance towards a friend or a spouse may seem justified, yet in the end may cause regret and sorrow. I know it is sometimes the case that a person will see a chance to slip a word in that will cut like a razor. Oh, that is too good a chance to, to let slip. Therefore, I will let I will let fly a word, and it sets all hell on fire. I speak particularly in relation to some women, but I do not know that it it is any more in relation to them than it is to men. The woman sees the chance to give the man a keen word that will make him feel, but she sours her own dish by doing so. She turns the sweet into gall and then is compelled to eat it. What is the better way if she sees a chance to inflict a wound by a word that will cut and she thinks her husband really deserves it? Which is the sure way to get a victory? Never say a word. Say the women, if we can have no protection, shall we say nothing at all? Let it pass, I tell you. Take it mildly, and by and by, say the husband, I grieved my wife and gave her just cause for offense. I am sorry for it. She has taken it so meekly. 
and never has harassed my feelings. Now this cuts me ten times worse than if she had said something to balance the matter. Then I should have, should not have had this sting in my heart. But to see her take it so mildly without offending one reproach, oh my God, how can I forgive myself? And quote Orson Hyde, Elder's Journal, volume 10, page 837, page 11, and we're at 71%. Real quick, uh, anybody who wants to call in, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. And uh, I do take phone calls during the recorded portion of the program. Uh, People who want to speak privately to me or ask me a question off the air, that's fine. Uh, People who want to go live on the air can call in also. And at the end of the recording... Uh, we can bring you up in the studio and put you on the air live so that you can ask your questions or make your statements uh, and get a response from me uh, or my wife. So my wife, uh, she's usually on, um, and those of you who know or who listen to this program, she's always reading with me and for me. So anyway, we're on page... Page 11 at 71% uh, with the uh, through the reading for today. We are living in perilous times. The Prophet Joseph Smith said this generation is as corrupt as the generation, as any generation before us. He actually said that this generation was as corrupt as the generation that, that crucified Jesus. In another quote, Jesus spoke of it as being a wicked as spoke of it as being as wicked as the generation of Noah. What is happening to our civilization when men speak of wickedness more than righteousness? Why are the principles of virtue, purity, and holiness so seldom mentioned in our common conversations? It is the smut profanity, and contentions that daily greet our ears from nearly every avenue. We have listened to the language of men in the armed services, men who at any time might be cut down to the grave, yet their language befouls the air and becomes disgusting to the ears of many contentious souls. From the motion picture screen and the home television at the sounds of profanity and obscenity um, and obscenity degrades our language lustful and bawdy stories and jests of vulgarity are the nightclub lures, lures for men to f- take their home take to their home and work until the last few decades our streets were free from shouting mobs and screaming picketers who cry for destruction and violence. Since the hippie movement and the rock culture of the 1960s, Kowalkisms, slang, subcultural jargon have conveyed a degraded, sordid love of passion 
and immoral appetites. What then shall become of our civilization? Because men's tongues speak so often of the vile laugh, laugh at the vulgar, and make a mockery of dignity. We stand near the brink of the Almighty venge- Almighty's vengeance, and only by turning from the sordid pitfalls of the Tower of Babel can we avoid a worse disaster. One of the most beneficial attributes of language is that it conveys knowledge and intelligence, but beyond the conveyance of information is a more important fruit of language the building of faith, and we're on page 12 at 90%. Once again, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. There's also a chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon during our live programs that you can uh, access and ask questions through if you don't want to use the phone number. Also, people who are overseas can use Skype to call in the uh, radio show. Um, we've had people call from all over the world in the past using Skype. So, The Prophet Joseph Smith expounded on this by saying, quote, Faith comes by hearing the word of God through the testimonies of the servants of God. That testimony is always intended, attended by the spirit of prophecy and revelation. Tongues are given for the purpose of preaching among those whose language is not understood. As on the day of Pentecost, etc. It is not necessarily for tongues to be taught to the church particularly, for any man that has the Holy Ghost can speak of the things of God in his own tongue, as well as speak in another. For faith comes not by signs, but by hearing the word of God. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 3, page 379. Hearing the word of God will do more to change man and the world he lives in than any other influence. It is through the word of God that souls can be saved. Nations can learn peace, and the kingdom of God can be established among the nations. So the next chapter will be on page 13, chapter 2, and we'll talk about the history of languages. One thing before I end this part of the the recording and go to the live is, um, so I attend a Pentecostal church, and... I just, I enjoyed their fellowship there. Um, They believe in the Trinity, and I don't, I'm not on board with that because I know better, but um, I like the fact that they believe in the gifts of God and that they are unashamed to seek those gifts. And you'll hear them praying in tongues many times which I think is fine that they do that but I told the pastor yesterday actually I said you know I have spoken in tongues but I've never heard somebody give an interpretation of tongues 
and with the uh, with the gift of tongues comes the interpretation. If it is true, that's what I believe should happen. But there's more to the gift of tongues than speaking in the language of God, or the Adamic language, if you're LDS, you understand what that means. The gift of tongues is so more broad than speaking a language that you cannot understand. When I've spoke from the pulpit and the Spirit has come upon me, many times I say things that I don't know where it came from. I do actually know where it came from, but it wasn't in my mind. It's kind of like I'll be looking at the congregation and I'll be preaching something that God has put in my mouth. And I am watching and God is using my mouth and he's using me to speak to the people. That is a gift of tongues. When I speak to a person and I can speak in a dialect that they understand, that is the gift of tongues. When a missionary goes and learns a language and can learn that language quicker than any government class can teach, you know, government CIA or FBI or whatever, and those young missionaries go and learn that language so quickly as compared to others, that is a gift of tongues. Some people will say, why don't they speak in tongues anymore in the church? I think that they do. I think that when you speak by the power of the Spirit of God, or when you're learning the language, so you can go share the gospel with others, that is the gift of tongues. And though Brigham Young may have been the first one to speak in the gift of tongues, and everybody was like, what in the world's going on here? And Joseph Smith said, you know, it's of God, don't worry about it. I, we don't see that very often in the church today. You do in the South, I've seen it in the South, in LDS congregations. But for the most part, you don't. And I don't know why that is. But that is one of the gift of tongues as well. Many times when the Spirit is strong and I'm alone, I will pray to God in the gift of tongues. And the interpretation comes to my mind and God reveals things to me when I'm in that state of mind. And the Spirit increases. So I do believe that the gift of tongues is still among us, but unfortunately it is not among us the way it used to be in the church or within the congregations of, of the restoration brought about by the prophet Joseph Smith. Anyway, that's my thoughts and opinions on this topic. So like I said, we'll get into chapter 2. When we come back on next time, hopefully, and we'll be speaking of the history of languages. So if my wife is able to um, 
maybe we can get her to read how to qualify for the celestial kingdom today if we don't have any callers. But we'll go to that point. Thank you for listening. Okay, so my wife's not on right now. Uh, She might be on a little bit later. Uh, They have a meeting on Monday nights that they go to. And I am up here at the mine getting loaded. So I'm not going to be able to say too much. But I did want to say some things. But I need a little bit of a break in between now and when I can get down to Highway 6 to where I can have some service without a bunch of people talking. Hold on. Yep, there's room up here. Anyway, so uh, we're going to listen to a clip that I uh, recorded a while back. Now, this is a revelation received by Joshua Sparks. And uh, oh, he received it in 2013. Um, hold on here. Actually, just hold on one minute. Actually, I think we're going to play a different thing today. Uh, let me just pull it up real quick. Luckily, um, I'm getting loaded, so kind of time this perfect. Usually Kim's on the studio, but she usually calls in by now because she's only in this thing for like an hour, but she didn't call in. So this is, um, let me see if I can find it real quick. This is the book of Zolomith. It's uh, apocryphal, but uh, I like it. So it's only 13 minutes and 44 seconds long. There's another part that's 28 minutes long. We're just going to listen to the first part. That'll give me enough time to come down, and then I'll be able to talk about some things that I wanted to talk about. So here we go. This is the book of Zolomith. The book of Zolomith. Chapter 1, verse 1. Gedaliah reigned over the remnant of Judah, and at about that time there was a man named Zolomus. A man of God, he did sit under a tree and pray in the desert, and ate no bread and drank no wine, but ate only that which was around him, and saw the face of no man, so that he could pray continually. Verse 2. This man saith unto God, Father of lights, show my feet unto the narrow path of life. I have been called because of my desires to serve thee, but now elect me into eternal life, that I might be blessed with the oil of gladness. Call me thy friend. Bring me close unto thy gate, that I may see the light of thy kingdom. Verse 3. Zobelmus looked up, and his eyes were growing dim, so that he knew not if he looked at the sun or at a man. But he believed, and saith, I am now, I am here. Now behold, the messenger of the Lord had been sent, and did say unto him, Zobelmus, man of God, Behold, I am sent by the Most High, the God of all 
to tell thee that thou shalt thou shalt journey to the blessed, but shall not dwell with them. Thy thy eyes are dim, but shall be enlightened by the Son of the Living God. Verse four. Exalt not thy heart, saying, Forty years have I not eaten bread. For the word of God is more than bread, and the spirit of God is more than wine. For wine is revelation, and bread is the word of God. Say not, Woe, for not seeing the face of man. Behold, the face of the great king is nigh at hand, and his angels are with thee. Sobelmus saith, I know the Lord can do whatsoever he will. The angel said to him, Know this also, that thou art not worthy of one of the delights of those unto whom you go, but arise and set out, because God has accounted thy faith as righteousness. Chapter 2, verse 1. I, Zobelmus, rose upon my feet, and issuing my, from my cave, with God leading me, I set out not knowing which way I went. The heat of the desert constantly passed before me, and cool, the cool of the night as my cave comforted me forty nights, and the heat vexed me forty days. Now when the angel of the Lord did say unto me that he would lead me unto a new land, I suppose he meant in death, wherefore my spirit grew faint and my body failed. And being exhausted, I sat down and continued to pray in that place for three days, saying, Why do I remain? Verse 2. Now a, a camel did walk out of the waver, waving desert and did place its knees on the ground. And I wrapped my arm around his neck to try and arise to my feet. Wherefore he let me upon his back and lifted me, and I rode, as it were, across endless white sands, until we came unto a place with much howling and gnashing of teeth. And I did perceive, as it were, the ground covered in poisonous snakes and scorpions. Wherefore, becoming afraid, I did pray unto the Lord, saying, Deliver me. There came over that whole plain a great earthquake with much noise, and the wind did blow as it were a storm, and it lifted me from the earth and exalted me on its wings. Yea, and I was taken up into the clouds, verse 3, and I was praying and journeying, saying, Why did you not take me up upon the wings of the wind before? Whereupon the Lord rebuked me, saying, Behold, each part of the journey has become more fantastic because of the weakness of thy faith. Now the wind did softly set me down finally upon solid ground, and I did look around and did see a river. And the Lord did tell me that the name of this river was Eumules. Now I did go across the river when someone cried out as if the the water, saying, Zobelmus, man of God, ye cannot pass through me, for no man could divide my waters. But look upon the waters, and behold heaven. Verse 4. 
Now I did look upon and saw a wall of cloud stretching from the waters to the heaven. And the cloud did say unto me, Zobelmus, man of God, through me no devil in the form of a bird passes out of this world, nor breath of wind, nor the devil dressed as the sun itself, nor can the tempter in this world pass through me. I am the edge of this world, the protector of thunder, and the servant of God. Chapter 3, verse 1. I, Zobelmus, was astonished at these words, and at the voice that spake these things unto me. Now as I did pray, behold, two trees sprang up out of the earth, as if an, in an instant, fair and beautiful, and laden with fragrant fruits. Verse 2. And the tree upon my side, upon my side of the river, did bend down, and did receive me, and then did straighten again, bringing me high into the air. It then leaned over in the middle of the river. Then the other tree bent over, and met me, and received me in its branches, and bending down, set me on the ground. Then behold, both trees were raised up and set away from the river on the other side. Verse 3. Now I did say, O God, mighty is thy hand. For these wonders which I have seen are strange and amazing, and I know not in which land I am. For ye have brought me out of the world to a strange place. Ye are truly the God of worlds, and thy hand is unseen. Verse 4. Now I did rest in that place for a time, and did go forth, whither I knew not. And that place was filled with much fragrance, for there was no mountain on either hand, but the place was level and flowery as an endless field of flowers crowned with garlands, and all the land was beautiful beyond description. Wherefore I did smell this new world, and I did walk as a pilgrim wandering. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And as I did walk, I did see in the land and the field a naked man sitting, and I said to myself, Surely this is not the tempter, for I did remember the, word, the words of the cloud that said unto me, Nor can the tempter of this world pass through me. Now take, taking courage, I did say unto him, Hell, brother. Now he answered, saying, The grace of my God be with thee. Verse 2, I did say, Tell me, I pray you, man of God, who art thou? And he answered and did say unto me, Who art thou rather? Now I did tell him all concerning myself, and that I had prayed unto God, and that he had brought me into this place. Verse 3, Now he did say, Behold, I also know that thou art a man of God, for if ye were not, ye could not have passed through the, through the cloud and the river and the air. For the breadth of the river is about of the river was about thirty thousand paces, and the cloud reaches up to heaven and the depth of the river to the abyss. Verse four. Now behold, ye must have been anointed by God to obtain this place. Wherefore I Zobelmus did say. Behold, I have not been anointed by God, nor by one of his servants. Whereupon the man did say, 
then he must have also then he must have been elected. And now I did say, I know not, but I was praying concerning it when I left mine abode. Whereupon the man did say, Before coming into this world, did you say that you would reje- rejoice when it ended? I Zobelmus did say, I know not, I remember not. Now the man did say, Blessed art thou, for ye are elect, ye would not be among them, or ye would not be among the elect. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now having ended this discourse, we did sit for a time, meditating upon what had been said, and then the man did speak again, saying, Thou hast thou come hither out of the vanity of the world? And I did say unto him, I know not. Now he did say unto me, If ye despise the vanity, and wish continually for the unity with God, and the saints in shining robes of glory, Then ye have come out of the vanity. Verse 2. I said to him, Speaking concerning shining robes, Why art thou naked? Now he did say, How knowest that I am naked? Thou wearest skins of the cattle of the earth, That that decay together with thy body. But look upon the height of the heaven, And behold of what nature my clothing is. I did look upon, look up into the heavens and saw his face as the face of an angel in his clothing as lightning, which passed, passes from the west to the east. Now did, my heart did jump for an instant, thinking that he may be the son of the living God, even the father of our race the Father of the Son of God, to come. Verse 3. Now I did tremble and fell upon the ground at the thought of giving me his hand. He raised me up, saying, Arise, I also am one of the elders, or one of the blessed. Come with me that that I may lead thee to the elders. Now while holding the hand hands, he did walk with me and led me towards a certain crowd, and there were in that crowd elders like sons of God. Young men were standing beside the elder, elder, elders. We came near unto them, and they said, This man has come hither out of the vanity of the world. Come, let us beseech the Lord that he will reveal to us this mystery. The young men did ask, Is the end come? Whereupon the elders did say, Surely the end is not at hand. It is just a man come hither from the vanity of the world. Verse 4. Now after this they arose and stood in a circle, making signs and beseeching the Lord with one accord, concerning me. And behold, two angels came down from heaven and saith, Fear not this man, for God hath sent him, that he may remain seven days and learn thy ways, that he might understand the way of life 
and then he shall go forth and depart back into his own place. Now the angels, after delivering their message, to descend back into the heavens before mine very eyes. Okay, sorry about that. All right, well, that was part one of Zobelmas. I'll play part two in a minute, unless we have a phone call or something. My wife's still not on. So uh, I don't know if she'll be able to come on tonight or not. She's been pretty busy with uh, all kinds of stuff that they have to do at the house. Um, But tonight, every Monday night, they do this uh, family class that they're going to, and um, she's usually off by now, but it is what it is. Anyway, um, so on Thursday night, I started getting sick, and uh, by the time I got off on Friday, I was not feeling the greatest. Anyway, we went up to get my new glasses up in Forum, and uh didn't get home till pretty late on Friday and uh, spent all day in bed on Saturday because I was just sick. I did not get up or anything but to go to the bathroom. That's how sick I was. Anyway, I, am, I started getting better on Sunday, but I'm still sick. And my... Uh, my stomach is killing me tonight, so it's not going to be the funnest night for me. But um, I enjoy Monday night because after the radio program um, at 8 o'clock, uh, if you go to doctrineofchrist.com, uh, you can join a Zoom meeting. Uh, now, if you do want to join it, it's Bill Davis that's teaching it, and he'll present for usually about an hour, and then he'll open up the uh, the phone lines for people to talk, and usually there's like 100, 100 people, and it's a Zoom call. Oh, there's Kim. Hold on. Let me see what she is doing. Okay. Kim is on with us. Hi, everybody. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, we listened to a new book today. Um, I pre-recorded chapter one of Gift, Gift of Tongues, and then uh, that was only like 35 minutes long for the whole recording. And then I played the first part of the book of Zobelmas, and I, that just ended. So now I'm just telling them about my weekend. Uh, and how I'm sick right now, and how my stomach is killing me, but I'm going to keep driving. And um, I was telling about the Doctrine of Christ call that's on Monday night, that's hosted by Phil Davis, which I really enjoy. And, like, I don't agree with everything Phil says, but I think that there's a lot of really good information 
and I do promote his program on my program. He does not promote me on his. <laughs> it's not like a one-way relationship, but he does always invite me on, and uh, I do enjoy uh, listening to his uh, thoughts. So tonight they're going to be talking about the ascension of Isaiah, and he's been working on the book of Isaiah for, I don't know, a couple months now at least, maybe more than a couple. Anyway, and then on Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock, you can also go to uh, to Doctrine of Christ on Facebook uh, to get notifications or on my, any of my uh, groups that I admin, they post there. And they talk about all kinds of different uh, scriptural, topical, whatever, history, LBS, church history. And, and like I said, I don't agree with everything that they teach, but I do enjoy the conversation, um, especially when I, they open up the phone lines and people ask questions. And I don't have to present, so I like that. And uh, it's kind of like Sunday school. So in Gospel Doctrine, you know, I was a teacher a lot of times in gospel doctrine or elders quorum or whatnot, um, and I enjoyed doing that, but my favorite was just being in the class, and I would sit against the wall um, so I could see everybody on the other front of the classroom uh, so I could see all their faces, and they would, you know, ask questions or make comments, or the teacher would make comments or ask questions. And I would talk and give insight. And I always prepared for whatever the lesson was going to be, even if I wasn't teaching, because I just enjoy studying the gospel. So this kind of reminds me of that, uh, although some of the things they talk about I don't agree with. But, uh, you know, that's fine. You know, everybody is in a different level of progression, and we have to work through things, you know. So, anyway, um, but, Kim, it sounds like you're not going to be able to be reading at all tonight. Uh, so maybe you'll be able to read tomorrow night and uh, continue on with uh, how to qualify for the Celestial Kingdom today. So, am I about right with that summation? You're muted, Kim. Am I muted? Oh, because you're still on, so I don't know why you can't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So she's got some other things she's got to do tonight. Um, and our babysitter is not going to be able to take our two-year-old tomorrow, so she's going to go get a toy, a new toy, that we're going to give to him when he wakes up, so he'll be thoroughly occupied. Um, usually what I do when I have my two-year-old is uh, he lets me sleep in until about 10 or 11, and then um, I'll change his, his diaper and give him some food in a cuppy with almond milk in it, and uh, I'll put on, like, some you know, Sesame Street or some Mickey Mouse thing. He loves Mickey Mouse. And uh, and he really enjoys that, so he'll sit there with me, and he'll talk to me, and I'll kind of lay there and prop my pillows up and, like, sit there and bed with him, and he loves it. 
Uh, I really enjoy it too, but usually the night after when I'm working, I'm like, oh, so tired. But that's what energy drinks are for, and I drink a lot of them for a night. <laughs> so I know it's not healthy, but it's better than me uh, not uh, not being able to be safe behind the wheel, especially when I'm driving a truck that's 64 to 65 tons-ish. So we want me to be alert when I'm driving. So anyway, since Kim isn't on, Kim, can you hear me now or... Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. I was wondering. So I was just telling the audience that you probably won't be able to be reading tonight for the How to Qualify for the Celestial Kingdom today. So that's fine. I'll do Chapter 2 tomorrow of The Gift of Tongues if okay. we record that. And then if you are available, then uh, then you can read after we do the my portion of the radio program. So Okay. I'm I'm actually going into the depth. Okay. So um, you're going to go pick up the toy, drop off the kid, pick up your car, and then bring me food? Yep, that's the that's the swing of things. <laughs> okay. Um, I will be to the spur in about 20 minutes. Okay. All right, let me uh, check out of here and drive that way. Well, I don't know if okay. I'd make it. I'm in Huntington. Will I make it? I think so. We got gas on Saturday, I think. Okay, Saturday should night. I just meet you in the car or drop people off? No, just uh, just come out because okay, I'll know, just come if you don't out. do it now, yep. yeah, if you don't oh. do it now, then it'll be I mean, about two hours before I'm back out there, and you'll be wanting to wrap things up and go to bed. Yeah. So. Okay, um, I'm going to mute myself, and then I'm going to go and pay for stuff. Um, just out of curiosity, the what you're looking for is things that don't make noise, right? Uh, I don't care if it makes noise. I mean, I'm going to be awake, and I'm re- probably going to put on some Sesame Street or some Mickey Mouse for him to watch. So, okay. You know, if he has something that, you know, that he really likes, yeah. You might want to wait to go out to Walmart. That way you don't have to buy some junk at the dollar store. That's a good idea. Why don't we do that? Just go to Walmart? Yeah, and then if I don't get the right thing, hey, go grab him and take him out. Go take kids out really quickly. No, because I didn't come here to get things for you. And I already said no, and I already said once. Right. So quickly, quickly, while he's crying. Let's go. Let's go. We have to meet Dad. One. <laughs> Two? Okay, I have to hey, mute Kim, me. Sorry. Go ahead and mute yourself. <laughs> That's my wife being a mom, which is all kinds of fun. <laughs> Trying to herd around cats. We got five. So Emmett's 16, and then we have a 13-year-old daughter, and then we have younger elementary school girls and a two-year-old boy. So, all right, well, um, I was just going to tell the audience, too, that my schedule's changing. I'm actually going to be working 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. instead of 5 p.m. to 5 a.m., which will be good because I'll be able to get the extra load that I need to get so I can make some more money. Um, just the way the mine is, they don't give out power plant loads until after midnight. And if I don't get there right at the right time, I don't have enough time to do two. But if 
if I have the extra hour, I'll, it'll be really nice that we're able to switch the schedule. And I'll still be able to get home on time to help out with the kids and getting them to school, which also another thing, um, like there's a lot of times that I'll get home around 4, 4.30, and I don't want to wake every, anybody up until 5.30, so I just sit there and I fall asleep and I get so tired and I struggle to stay awake and help out with the kids, and a lot of times I'm just like, I can't do this. So... Um, so, yeah, that's going to change here uh, next week. Now, I will still pre-record the programs uh, to the beginning part, so it'll still go on from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. I'm not going to change that, um, but I'll have another uh, an extra hour to actually pre-record the program. So, uh, you know, it'll be fine. Everything will work out. And I need to work more because Uncle Sam decided to send me a bill for $5,600. So that's going to be fun paying that off. Um, yeah, so I'm probably going to be working Saturday night through Friday morning and taking Friday nights off, which my wife will not be happy about because she actually enjoys the time that we have together. And uh, we don't get a whole lot of time together during the week. But uh, it is what it is, and I want to get all these bills paid off. Uh, you know, just because I guess I owe the money. I guess I didn't file right or something. So it is what it is. Anyway, and they they told me I can do a payment plan. So uh, I'm going to be doing a thousand dollars a month, I think, to get it paid off. So anyway, um. <laughs> oh, sorry, I am sick, like I said. Um, we'll do uh, Zobelmas chapter 6 through 12. We did uh, 1 through 5 earlier, so this is Zobelmas part 2. And then uh, if we have any callers while it's uh, playing the recording, I will take your phone calls. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. There's a chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And a uh, little reminder for those of you who do listen to this program who send me questions. Thank you for sending me the questions in Messenger. I don't always have time to get to Messenger because I've got so many other things going on. If you call into the radio show... You can ask me, and I can give you a voice answer with my voice. Uh, if you ask in the chat room, I can give you a answer with my voice. We can go from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., Monday through Friday, but we can also go into overdrive for an extra hour and make it uh, three hours if we need to. So... I just wanted people to realize that that is an option for those of you who do have questions and comments. And the other thing, too, give me your questions and let me answer them on the air, and that will benefit others who might have the same questions, but they don't feel uh, comfortable 
calling into a radio show. I know that when I was younger, I used to call into Coast to Coast AM with uh, Art Bell in the early days, back in the late 90s. And then I'd call into uh, the program after George Norrie took over. And I would get in and I would talk, and my heart would beat like mad the whole time. And I don't know exactly why that is, because now that I am a radio show host, this is just like talking on the phone to me. This this is comfortable for me, and it's just talking on the phone. Yeah, people can hear the conversation. Yes, people can hear the conversation all around the world. We've had people call in from Singapore and Budapest and Sweden and England and Australia and all over the world. It's just a phone call between me and you that everybody can hear and people can be benefited by it. So if you have a problem with something that I'm saying, that's fine. Call. Call me. Ask me questions. Make statements. Let me respond to it. Yeah, if you have a question on something that I've said or you want to understand something more thoroughly, then I can help you. Uh, I don't know everything, of course, and I can give you my opinion based on my studies, but I can also tell you what God has told me on specific subjects. So, uh, like multiple mortal probations is a big one. Plural celestial marriage is a big one. You know, the law of adoption is a big one. The Davidic servant, the final prophet. Uh, the reason why I know so much about these things is because God has revealed things to me, and I have studied like a madman. So, I can't remember everything I've studied, but I can reveal or or just have a conversation, you know. So I don't think I don't know why there's a problem with that. Like some people will say, well, you're a false messenger and you're speaking false doctrine and blah blah blah. Let me tell those people this: if you had a personal relationship with God and you knew to how to get revelation and confirmation of the spirit for yourself, it wouldn't matter what I said. Because you have a personal relationship with God and you can go to him and seek out information for yourself, which you should anyway. The reason why I can listen to Denver Snuffer and Phil Davis and all of the other people I listen to is because I like to hear what they have to say to hear things from a different perspective. And when I study those things out for myself, I hear what they say, you know, I look into it. So like, for instance, I had no idea about the one mighty and strong until I listened to a podcast called Zion's Redemption back in 2012. And I became a co-host on that program. And now he doesn't podcast anymore. In fact, he's gone off into the night. I don't know where he's gone off. He's, he's off somewhere. <laughs> but I started my own radio program in 2014 called The Kingdom of God or Nothing. Um, but I also listen to other podcasters and other YouTubers. But I also listen to church conference stuff. You know, I still listen to LBS General Conference. I'll still study all of the things I get my hand on. Now, I may not agree with it, but that's fine, you know. Um, Denver Snuffer, if it wasn't for him, 
I wouldn't have realized the whole thing about Section 124. When I first heard that, he taught that it was Jesus that had to come restore the fullness of the priesthood, kind of like Dale Davis does. Um, and it wasn't until I really studied it and got into it and got revelation and correction by God and confirmation of the Spirit that I understood it more fully. You know, but I am thankful for Denver Snuffer for bringing those things out. And I don't, personally, I don't like him because of how he's treated me in the past. But I'll still listen to him and Adrian Larson because they might say something that will trigger something, you know, have something to say, oh, well, maybe I don't understand that fully. Maybe I can go read that and study it out for myself. And so, um, you know, if you don't think that I am a true messenger, that's fine. You know, but I um, and I think that there's benefit in what I talk about. And, like, I don't just do this to be heard by you this to study for myself. So when I was in college, I used to work for a company called Barney Trucking in St. George, Utah. And I was a part-timer. I would go to college Monday through Thursday and I would work every other night and I would sleep every other night. So it was crazy. I was up for like 30 hours at a time, which was fine because I used to be a renegade truck driver back in the day, and I was totally fine. Uh, I can't do that now. I'm not. I can't do that now. But anyway, um, one of the things that I used to do was I would read my textbook and other materials that I needed to understand onto a recorder. And... I would listen to it as I drove every other night, and I was able to get really good grades in all of my classes because I would do that. And so because I did that back then, and I'm not in college anymore, and I love theology, especially restorationist theology, and Joseph Smith, and and just early Mormonism and all of that, um, that's what I do now. I, I read things, and I listen to it, you know, later. I'll listen to this program. So I read this program earlier today. I just got done listening to it with you live on the air. And I will listen to it later and make sure that the audio is good. And if the audio is not good, then I'll have to delete the program, which I've had to do in the past. Uh, That's why, um, well, the numbers are a little off. So, like, it says that I posted or that I'm on episode, like, 577 or something like that. But it will only show, like, 520 episodes because, you know, sometimes things don't work out and I have to delete the program. So, anyway, all right, well, we're going to listen to the Book of Overmiss. Kim, if you can hear me, I am almost to the spur. So I'm going to go in and dump my load. And then uh, I'll come back out and meet you where I usually meet you. So you can give me that delicious, delicious food. I hope there's something sweet that I can eat. All right, here we go. This is the Book of Goldenness.
Zobelmus, the book of Zobelmus, chapter 6, verse 1. Now the elders of the blessed did give me over to an attendant, saying, Keep him for seven days. Now the attendant did lead me unto his cave under a tree, and he did tell me that this tree would provide us food. Now from the sixth hour, even until the sixth hour came, now from the sixth hour, even until the sixth hour came, we ate and prayed. For out of the tree came thick water, out of the root of the tree sweeter than honey. And we drank our fill, and again the water was plugged up, so that it would stay in its place. Verse 2. All the country of those there that heard of me came hither, for a man that came out of the vanity of the world was a curiosity, and all of the country was stirred up. And they came to see me because it seemed strange to them. For usually righteous men lived and died in the world of vanity, and then went up to higher worlds. But God saw fit to bring me into this hidden land for a purpose. Now they did ask me many things concerning the world of vanity, and I was answering them all day, insomuch that it became faint, and besought the man of God that that served me, saying, I beseech thee, brother, if any come to see me, tell them he is not here, so that I may rest a little. Verse 3. And the man of God cried out, saying, Woe is me, that the story of Adam is summed up in me, for Satan deceived him through Eve. And this man, by his flattery, desires to make me a liar while he is here. Take me away from hence, for I shall flee from this place. For behold, he wishes to sow in me seeds of the world of vanity. Now all the multitude and the elders rose up against me, saying, Depart from us, man of the earth. We know not why thou hast come unto us. Verse 4. Now I did lament with a great lamentation. And my senses left me, and I cried out to the elders, saying, Forgive me, my lords. And the elders still, still the people, so that I, so that all was quiet. Then I related to them all from the beginning till that time, and said, I besought the Lord to come unto you, and he deems me worthy. Then the elders saith, And now what wilt thou that we should do? unto thee. And I did say unto them, Behold, I only desire to learn from you thy way of life. Chapter 7 of the book of Zobelmus, verse 1. And now it came to pass that they did greatly rejoice at my words, and taking up tablets of green stone, they wrote on them with their chisels, Thus, hear ye, sons of men, Hear ye of our own who are become blessed, that we are also of you. For when the prophet Jeremiah proclaimed that the city of Jerusalem should be delivered into the hands of the destroyer, he rent his garments and put on sackcloth upon his loins and sprinkled dust upon his head and took earth 
upon his bed and told all people to turn from their wicked ways. Verse 2. And now our father, Rahab, son of Aminadab, of the school of the prophets, did hear him and say unto us, Ye sons and daughters of Rahab, hearken unto your father, and and put off your garments from your body, and drink no vessel of wine, and eat, and eat no bread from the fire, and drink not strong drink and honey, and tell the Lord here thy prayer. Verse 3. And we said, All that he has commanded us we shall do and hearken to. So we cast off our clothing from our bodies, and we ate no bread from the fire, and drank no vessel of wine nor honey, nor any strong drink. And we lamented with a great lamentation and besought the Lord. And he heard our prayers and turned away his anger from the city of Jerusalem. And there came to the city of Jerusalem mercy from the Lord. And he pitied its people and turned away his deadly anger. Verse 4. And after these things, the king of the city of Jerusalem died. And there arose another king, and all of the people gathered to him and informed him concerning us, and said, There are certainly, there are certain of thy people who have changed their way from, from us. Where the, where, therefore the king summoned those who had reported this, and asked them why he had done this, and they believed it was an apostasy upon the ways of the heathen. Wherefore the king sent for us and asked, Who are ye, and of what worship do you perform, and of what country does it originate? And we did say, We are the sons of thy servant Rahab, the son of Abinadab. And when Jeremiah the prophet preached in the days of thy, thy father the king, he proclaimed death to the city of Jerusalem. Yet three days and all the city shall be put to death. Chapter 8 of the book of Zobelmus, verse 1. And the king thy father, hearing this, repented of his sin and issued a command to all of the people to turn aside from their wicked ways. And our father thy thy servant hearing it charged us saying drink no vessel of wine and eat no bread from the fire until the lord shall hear thy prayer and we hearkened to the commandment of our father and we made naked our bodies and we drank no wine and we ate no bread and we prayed to the lord for the city of jerusalem and the lord pitied pitied his ang- pitied his anger I'm sorry. And the Lord pitied his people and turned away his anger. And we saw it and our souls rejoiced. And we said, It is good for us to live in such a way and to perform our rights so. Verse 2. Now the king said unto us, Ye have done well. Now therefore mingle with my people and eat bread, and drink wine, and glorify your God, and ye shall be serving God and the King. 
But we did say, we rebel not against our ways. We will not rebel against our ways and against God. Then the king was enraged and set us in prison. And we were in prison that whole night, even until a light shone in the building and an angel broke the prison gate and did anoint and place his hands upon our heads, saying, My fellow servants, ye are sealed up and anointed kings and priests to rule and reign in the house of Israel forever. And until the last time I shall and until the last time shall bring thee into a land where ye can live as ye desire night and day until the end comes. Verse three. Now the angel did place his hands upon us again, and we found ourselves standing by the water of the river. Now the angel did say unto us, Whithersoever the water goes, ye go there also. Wherefore we traveled with the water and the angel for the space of many days. Then therefore he, when therefore he had brought us unto this place, the river was dried up and the water was swallowed up by the abyss. And he made a wall round about this country, and there came a a wall of cloud and made a shadow above the water. Wherefore, he did not scatter us like unto the other tribes, but did lead us into this country of life and gave it to us an eternal inheritance until the end of the world comes. Hear ye, sons of men, hear the ways of the way of life of the blessed. For God placed us in this land, for we are holy, but not immortal, like unto those who are taken up. And the earth produces most fragrant fruit, and out of the trunks of the trees comes water sweeter than honey. And these are our food and our drink. Wherefore, we can live upon the land without toil, toiling, but can spend our time in prayer unto the God of Israel. We pray night and day, and this is all our occupation. For a sacrifice is, for to sacrifice all is to gain eternal life. Chapter 9 of the Book of Zobelness, verse 1. Hear ye, sons of men, with us there is no vine, nor plowed field, nor works of wood or iron, nor have we any house or building, nor fire, nor sword, nor iron wrought or unwrought, nor silver, nor gold, nor air too heavy or too keen. Neither do any of us take to themselves wives except for so long as to beget a male and a female, and after they have produced two children, one of each gender, they withdraw themselves again to the other side of the congregation. Wherefore we withdraw from each other and continue continue in chastity except to pray in a circle or to have children. We therefore are in perfect order and express our love unto God, unto the gods of Israel and of heaven continually, without distraction, 
verse 2. There is also no count of time, neither weeks, nor months, nor years. For all our day is one day, and in our caves are the leaves of a tree, and this is our couch under the trees. But we are not naked of body, as ye wrongfully imagine. For we have the garments of eternal life, and the robes of the priesthood made of light, and are not ashamed of each other. Verse 3. At the sixth hour of each day we eat, and for the fruit of the tree falls of itself at the sixth hour, and we eat and drink our fill, and again the water is stopped up. We also know you who are there in the world, who are in sins, in your works. Every day the angels of the Lord come and tell them to us in the number of your years. But we pray for you to the Lord, because we also are of you and of your race, except God has chosen us and has set us in this place without sin. And the angels of God dwell with us every day and tell us of the things concerning you. And we rejoice with the angels over the works of the just, but over the works of the unjust we mourn and lament, praying to the Lord that he may cease his anger and spare your offense. Verse 4. Upon the sixth hour I did ask concerning the two trees that brought me hither, and they did say, They are alike in type of the two trees of life, which pour golden oil into the two golden candlesticks. Whereupon I did say, Tell me concerning these trees. And they did say, There is a Messiah of Judah and a Messiah of Ephraim. And this is the meaning of it. Ye have passed over to look forward unto the Messiah of Judah, and ye have tabernacles to look forward unto the Messiah of Joseph. We know that Passover is near, because the water sweeter than honey will turn red, and we know that tabernacles is near, because it shall shine with gold. We keep not track of time, but when this death happened, we do praise the true and living God for sending the salvation of his people Israel. Our water also does not turn a color for weeks, but in the height of thy, of thy winter, it doth ter- turn green like unto the leaves of those trees, ever living to praise God. Chapter 10 Verse 1 now I did say with the blessed for the space of a week, and I did stay with the blessed for the space of a week, and they did teach me many more things which I shall not record. But I will show but I will record a few more things that I did learn from them. I did ask them to give me wisdom concerning this Messiah of Judah, whereupon they did say unto me, Know ye not the covenants of the Lord, that that though this body turn to dust, yet ye shall see the see God in the flesh? Rejoice therefore because of the covenants of thy fathers, for they took God the Father as their law. 
and in return their elections were made sure, and this Christ of Judah, or this Messiah of Judah, shall bring to pass these promises unto you. Therefore lift up your heart and rejoice. When ye enter the world of spirits, ye shall see the death, see the death is a mercy, and the resurrection made sure. Verse 2. Now now ye shall be clothed with corruption, and your knowledge be made perfect, either a knowledge of your guilt or a knowledge of your cleanliness, and a perfect knowledge of the mysteries of godliness. For those who look upon this Messiah and despise this world and look for the kingdom within, they are they who shall inherit eternal life. And the kingdom prepared for them from before the foundation of the world. But behold, this time shall come. But before this time shall come, the second tree, even the witness of the resurrection of the Father and the Son. Verse 3. The second tree, which pours down golden oil, shall be sent to gather the elect before the end comes. And he shall be despised and rejected, but he is a Christ or an, an anointed one. And he shall rise before the eyes of the world, for the works of God cannot be frustrated, but shall roll forth until the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. Their father is Michael, the Ancient of Days. He who sits in flaming glory when his children shall come before him to make an account. And in that day all shall see that he is their father in heaven, and the father of the Messiahs whom they rejected. Verse 4. From the days of Adam until now, Adam and his brethren and companions, even the council of the gods or the Elohim, have looked over this world and wept, for the devil hath a chain in his hand, even the sealing power of the devil, and he holdeth this world in bondage. But behold, the seventh angel shall come holding his own chain, and the chain of the fathers of Adam and his companions to Messiah ben Joseph, and in that in that day, those whose hearts are turned to their fathers, and make a covenant with God in the name of Christ, shall be delivered by the mighty hand of the second tree, and shall be raised up unto eternal life by the first tree. For the mercy of God is eternal, and His word is everlasting. Book of Zobelmus, chapter 11, verse 1. Now behold, we did condescend into the world as the sons of God, so that there could be opposition in all things, even so that we could struggle and know the good from the bad and become the victors. Adam fell that we might have joy and take upon ourselves the name of Adam and of Christ, and become heirs of the kingdom. Behold, we in this place shall live for a thousand years as the patriarchs of old, because we are upon holy ground, 
and pray in the true order of prayer daily and praise God without ceasing. Now behold, there be holy temples in the last days. And if those who possess these temples would stay there continually, eating little and performing the work of prayer without ceasing, doing their ordinances for the living and the dead, they would live unto the age of the patriarchs. For to live unto the age of a tree is a way of life only. But behold, the falsely anointed shall take control of these places and force the saints into the wilderness. In this world, the dragon always pursues the daughter of Zion and her children. Verse 3. And in that day there should... They shall have the philosophies of men mingled with scripture, and yet they will know it not. And they shall hold the saying sacred and not look introspectively to see that they are the preachers of the devil. Oh, the foolishness of man and his frailties. When he is learned, he thinks he is wise, but his knowledge is death. And he knoweth not the power of God and his fellows, and their city, the new Jerusalem. Verse 4. The way of eternal life is straight and narrow is a straight and narrow path, and few there be that find it, and those who follow this light and his glory through though they have been wounded, shall shall they see straight, shall they see a straight course before him. And the keeper of the gate is the Holy One of Israel, and he employ no servant there. He that knocketh with his prayers, and he that seeketh out knowledge, and he that humble himself, despises this world before God. It is he unto whom the heavens will be opened, and unto him that God will teach knowledge, and unto him that shall see the Son of the living God. Book of Zolbemus, chapter 12, verse 1. O man, look forward to the day of your salvation, when justice shall be done unto the righteous, and shrink not in fear. For ye should pray, Father, bring the coming of thy, thy kingdom, and even if I should be burned for looking beyond the mark, bring thy kingdom and let justice be done. For I know that ye are just and that I would rather thy kingdom come than to live. For he who is willing to lose his life for the kingdom shall find it. What earthly power would forgive those who ask for it? What earthly power is eternal and un unchanging? which earthly power would give the wicked a degree, of, a degree of glory when they are cleansed? Which earthly, earthly power can raise thee into immortality and eternal life, worlds without end? I say unto thee, none. No earthly power would give all men immortality and eternal life unto the righteous. No earthly power would grant a degree of, a degree of glory unto all men. No earthly power is unchanging, nor are their words eternal. And in fine, no earthly power would forgive those who who ask, having 
having become a new creature by the power of the atonement of the Holy One of Israel. Verse 2. Therefore praise God and the Eternal Father, for he giveth eternal lives unto those who ask him, and all shall be partakers of his mercy, worlds without end. For every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that the two trees are the anointed and are called to test the righteous to see who shall keep the commandments of the Lord their God. For they shall, but they shall stiffen their hearts and, I'm sorry, but they shall stiffen their necks against him who is called of God, even if they know it, because they esteem this body and this life above the kingdom. But behold, this life is a test, and we have already supported the kingdom before this world was. But when, the, but when this world is rolled up as a scroll, we shall see that we have been foolish when we esteemed ourselves to be wise. Verse 3. And now at the sixth hour I did drink, and then an angel of the Lord did appear before us and did say, Now is the time of thy return, Fobelmas. And he did touch me, and I did awake as if it was from a dream. Now I was upon a bed in a tent, and a man named Aminadab did say unto me, Ye were in the desert asleep, and I did bring thee here to preserve thy life. Whereupon I did speak unto Aminadab concerning all those things which had happened unto me. And he did to say, Behold, blessed am I for my whole house. Behold, blessed am I and my whole house for saving a prophet, that I might hear the mysteries of God and be saved. Verse 4, we did pray continually, and it came to pass that a spring did come out of the rocks in the place, and an oasis did appear, and locusts did come, and we did eat the locusts so that we could continue to pray unto God, eating no bread and drinking no wine, for the word of God was our bread, and the revelation, and revelation our wine. Now we did, in fine, begin to try and live as those in the other worlds did live. And we did pray in the true order of prayer. And we did take off our garments and did shake them before God. And did wash one another's feet, witnessing that we were queen of the blood and sins of our generation. Wherefore we were clothed in the garments of light, anointed with oil as from heaven. I did have six children, for Abinadab did give my, given to me the hand of his two, of two of his concubines, so that we could in fine begin to live as the blessed did live, and raise our righteous seed, so that our order would flow as pure water from the spring and fill the world with righteousness. Verse five. Now I did know. Now I did know that the time of redemption had not yet come, for the earth had not yet endured its probationary state. But I did know that we might also be taken up as the elect in Zion, or as the blessed across the river, which I saw. Wherefore, repent and be baptized, 
in all that that which is good, having a broken heart and a contrite spirit, becoming a new being in Christ. And accept those who come unto you with the words of life, who cry before you because of the sins of the world, for by their love of truth, their sorrow for the sins of the world, you may know their mind, saith the Lord. Amen. So, for by their love of truth and their sorrow for the sins of the world, you may know their mind, saith the Lord. Amen. So that was the book of Zobelness. Thank you for listening. Okay. Well, that was fun. That's the book of Zobelness. Uh, which is uh, a book that talks about, uh, you know, a lot of different things. Uh, partly the Ten Lost Tribes that were led away of the house of, uh, out of Assyria into the land of the North Country. It also talks about Messiah ben Judah and Messiah ben Joseph, who are the two anointed ones of God. Uh, Joseph Smith also talked about these things. So for this earth, there is a first presidency. There is God the Father who is the creator. And we know in the endowment that that's Michael the archangel who became Adam. He is the father, both spiritually and physically. That knowledge used to be taught in the LDS church, and it has, you know, they've lost it because they, they treat the things of God lightly, so God takes knowledge away from them, which you will do personally to people who treat the things of God lightly. Um, and then Joseph Smith said that God the second was the Redeemer, who we know as Jesus the Christ. We would have been Yeshua HaMashiach, uh, or Messiah Ben um, Judah, Ben David. And then there's God the third, who is called the testator or the witness, God the witness, who we call the the Holy Ghost, or the Ruach HaKodesh in Hebrew, and that he is the witness of the Father and the Son, and he stands as a a God himself, not exalted. So when Jesus went through the Garden of Gethsemane and the crucifixion experience and was resurrected, He completed his exaltation. And he, by doing that, becomes our father through the law of adoption. And, but the the witness is a God, but not yet exalted. So, if you understand multiple mortal probation, which is where there is a new heaven and a new earth that is created, which most of the world, they don't understand what John is talking about in the book of Revelation. You have to be a prophet to understand these things or hear the words of a prophet and then get revelation for yourself and, you know, confirmation of the Spirit for yourself. But when John sees a new heaven and a new earth, at that point, this earth becomes a celestial sphere and a pre-existence. The world that we came from when we, when we were in the pre-existence before this earth was formed, 
was an older earth that we lived on that went through the same type of things that this earth is going through and that this earth will go through where it becomes eventually a celestial sphere or an orb of a fire seeing glass, um, a great Urim and Thummim. And this will be our pre-existence where we put off our resurrection and we go into a new world and we become mortal again so that we can progress and gain more experiences and that over time and Joseph Smith he taught about these things partly in the King Follett discourse but more fully in the lecture at the Grove but we are damned when we are resurrected unless we are exalted and if we are exalted then we don't have to go through these uh, experiences again in the same way that most of us go through mortality. But haven't you ever thought two things? Jehovah had a body and he ate with Abraham. He had a meal of meat and dairy before the resurrection. Okay, Jesus said to Mahanrai Moriankumar around the same time period, this is my spirit body. This is what I'll look like when I come in the flesh. With Jehovah came, I think it was two or three angels, and they had bodies. Well, how did they have bodies? Because they were resurrected on a previous earth. But Jesus, he had not yet been through the resurrection uh, on this earth. He had not yet gained a mortal body on this earth. So he was a spirit at the time that God the Father had a tangible body. Well, how in the world did Jesus get to be God the Redeemer? They say it's because, oh, he was the first among all of the... Yeah, but he went through experiences before he came to this earth and many probations before this. So Jesus has all these things opened up to his mind. He understands and the veil is open to him. In his previous world that he lived on as a mortal, he had a redeemer that saved him from his sins the same way that Jesus saved us from our sins. He lived a normal life. He's had wives. He's had children. He has died before his wives and his children in some probations. But he's had his wives and his children die in other probation. He's been a truck driver. He's been a painter. He's been a contractor. He's lived in ancient times, not only on this earth, but on other earths. Because we go through this, these eternal rounds, these eternal, um, I don't know what you call them, they'd say, He's gone through all of the experiences that all of us have gone through. He understands it, not just because he went through the Garden of Gethsemane. He understands it because he has been through it himself. Okay, I know that I'm breaking up right now. Kim? Hello, Kim. Hello, Kim. Can you hear me now? 
Karen. Excuse me. Hello? Okay, I guess I just dropped off or something. I don't know. I can't. I don't know if you guys can hear me or not. I hope you can. It says I'm still on, but but what I was saying is that Jesus went through all of these things. He's gone through it all. He's lived many probations. And this is knowledge that Joseph Smith tried to restore to the saints, and they weren't ready for it. There's a lot more that uh, Joseph wanted to reveal in his first ministry when he came to lay the redemption, or Zion's redemption, lay the foundation for Zion's redemption. He wanted to give us so much, but the people at the time just were not ready. The stuff that they received was too, too deep for them to understand. And over time, they didn't understand it, and they got rid of it. The law of adoption. Wilfred Woodruff had no idea what in the world that was about, but neither did Brigham Young. He kind of did, but they, they're like, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this, but they're like dogs with toys, very sacred, precious toys. And they like them because they're shiny, but they destroy them because they don't understand them. And that's what happened with the Adam-God doctrine. That's what happened with multiple mortal formations. That happened with the law of adoption. That happened with the gathering of Israel. United orders, plural celestial marriage, and sealing. All of these things. God gave it to us, and we have made them into something else. Sorry, I just had to mute myself because I was coughing. But um, and over time, they just got rid of these things. And now the corporate structure of the church doesn't want you to know about them, and they try to hide them from you, or they try to gaslight you, or twist things. Because they don't understand it, because all they are is Gentiles. Last week, I played, uh, or I found a clip of Bruce R. McConkie admitting in one of his talks back in 1983 or 1984 that he knows that Jesus is the Christ. And when the day comes when he will embrace him and that he will wet the, his uh, Jesus' feet with his tears, in that day he will not know any more now than he knows today. And why does he say that? Because he's never seen him. Luzar McConkie was scared on his deathbed because he was trying to toe the line that the church wanted him to toe. And you know what? He had a lot of knowledge. He also led a people astray in false doctrines like a Judas toe. He proclaimed to be a, an apostle when he had never seen the Savior. And he was fearful that God was going to judge him because they they wanted to uphold this narrative that they're the one and only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth 
the prophets and apostles. But the only problem with that is in DNC section 124, Jesus said he would reject the church if they didn't do what he said. And guess what? They didn't do what he said. And the things he said would happen if they were obedient. Guess what? None of that stuff happened. The church was rejected in Nauvoo. Brigham Young was a servant of God, and I don't care all of you people that hate Brigham Young or love Brigham Young. So I walk this line where these fun, like fundamentalist Mormons and mainstream Mormons, oh, they hate me, for telling them that Brigham Young wasn't the Lord's anointed, and that he was wrong in many instances. And then we get the other side of the aisle, where these people want to reject Brigham Young, but they accept Joseph Smith, or maybe they just reject the whole thing. And they hate it because I say that Brigham Young was a servant of God, and I know that he was. And how do I know? Because I've inquired of the Lord, and he has spoken to me personally about it. He was a servant. Was he perfect? No. Was Cyrus perfect? The one that came in and destroyed Babylon so the Jews could go back into Israel? No, but but God called him my Messiah. Look it up, Cyrus. C R R let's see, Cyrus, Cyrus. C Y R U S. Isaiah calls him well, not Isaiah. Isaiah is speaking the words of God. God calls him my Messiah. Was he righteous? In the way that you would expect a Messiah to be righteous? No, it's because the Gentiles have twisted the, the meaning of Messiah all up. It means to be an anointed one of God. Cyrus was an anointed one of God to deliver the people of uh, Babylon, the, or Babylon from the bondage of death and hell. But do you know that Moses was a Messiah? Moses was even called an Elohim. He delivered the people from the bondage of Egypt, from the dream. Jesus Christ was the Messiah. Because through his redemption and the atonement, he delivers us from the bondage of death and hell, which we all deserve, even the most pious among us. We all deserve it. Isaiah said, and he's speaking the words of God, that there is none righteous, no, not one. That our righteousness to him is, is as unclean menstrual rags. None of us deserve his love. And I don't understand why he loves us so much. Being a student of history, knowing the wickedness and the evil per- perpetuated from the beginning of recorded history, even up until today, men and women against men and women, children, whatever, I don't understand why God loves us so much. We are such a fallen, disgraceful, wicked people. Even the most righteous among us deserve hellfire and destruction. But he loves and he came to pay the penalty so that we could be so that we could be delivered from the bondage of death and hell. Joseph Smith was the Messiah in a way as well. 
he delivered us from the bondage of ignorance in part, but he did not finish all that he wanted to do because the Gentiles were not ready for all that he had to say. And the Davidic servant or Messiah ben Joseph, he will deliver you from the bondage of ignorance and the bondage of death and hell. Or not the bond, sorry, the bondage of Babylon the Great. And he is also a Messiah. Is he coming here to redeem you from your sins? No. He's coming to point you towards truth and to lead you into the wilderness as the destruction of Babylon the Great happens around you. And few, few will hear his words and be obedient to Shema, which is sad because when Moroni said to Joseph Smith, you know, that um, with the man of Acts chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, it's easy that it's chapter 3. i got to go back and read it. I get these things mixed up. Anyway, but he go and read Joseph Smith's history. He says that that man of Acts chapter 2, 22 and 23 is Christ, is Christ. But today had not yet come when he when he would be rejected by his people. Something interesting about that is Jesus, the Christ or the Messiah, Messiah ben Judah, had already been rejected by his people. Joseph Smith was not fully rejected by his people, but Messiah ben Joseph would be. But to those who would hear him. It says that those who will not hear the words of that prophet, who is a man like unto Moses, will be destroyed from among the people. And it's not him doing it. They'll be destroyed because they won't listen to him. And they will not gather to where he is. And they will not be obedient to his word. They will argue with him. And they will slander him. And they'll reject him. And because of their actions, he will go away from them to another people. And then he will go into the wilderness and you will not know where to find him. And when Babylon the Great falls around you, you will be destroyed with it. That's why it says those who will not hear the words of that prophet will be destroyed from among the people. Because it is a small remnant or obedient to the servant of God that is sent for their redemption, their physical redemption. Anyway, uh, so my wife is not on, I guess, their phone call drop. And I don't know what that is. Hold on here. Let me just see this real quick. Okay. (laughs) Excuse me. All right, well, we're done with the program for today. We'll be back on tomorrow with Chapter 2 of of the Gift of Tongues, and I'll pre-record that program as well. And then my wife will probably... Um, 
read how to how to qualify for the celestial kingdom today, which book she's been working on. So thank you everyone for listening. Take care. God bless and goodbye. Thank you.